Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell, and I'm joined, as per usual, by my co-host, Tom Jenks. Hello. In this week's episode, we are delving into the captivating world of poisons and venoms, from understanding how animals utilize these toxic substances to the treatment methods employed when encountered by them. We explore the evolution process of poisons and venoms and their remarkable adaptations in the world slash environment slash wildlife what am i, what am I thinking of tom environment it, okay we'll do it we'll do it in the environment there we go get ready for an enthralling discussion as we unravel the secrets behind these fascinating and sometimes deadly natural mechanisms let's dive in hell yeah you can uh, follow us twitter at info entropy pod instagram information entropy pod spotify itunes wherever you get your podcasting needs we are there ready to be listened to if you can give us a rating please do it helps us out a bunch even if it's critical give us that feedback we always love good feedback feedback's good feedback is good it's how, how you grow it's how you get better yeah how are you doing today tom yeah not too shabby this week not just today how's your week been yeah it's been all right um conference last week yeah internal conferencing i heard we we, we joked about this in the group and you said you're having an internal conference and we were like you're just talking to yourself because you're having a sit down chat with yourself yeah i actually started a solo podcast that's that's what it was <gasps> after you, you threatened <laughs> last week but you went ahead and did it wow no, no i wouldn't do that to you um <laughs> uh yeah it was all right it's just one of those uh things you need to do as a pgr student mm-hmm. um but yeah no it was all right and uh, other than that being work 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 Work, work. So fun stuff, fun stuff indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been up, you know, it's ups and downs. Sometimes, like it's been one of those weeks where it feels like you get nothing done, and then suddenly a load of things get done at once. Yes, yeah. Um, but such is the research life, I think. Um, how about you? Oh, I've been been doing okay. Bit a bit of a bit illness. Some some of our regular listeners will know. Uh, it sounds like I'm, it's hay fever season again. My my nose. Doth not breathe, floweth. Yeah, doth not floweth <laughs> through my nostrils. Yeah. Um, bitch, if you want to know why, check out our episode on allergies. Allergies and why happen? Why that happens? What happens to the body? Is that that's going on in my? In it's an mind interesting time, right actually. It's an interesting time. Well, I hate um, you, but no, it's a awful time. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, that, like allergies, just in general, is an interesting thing to to, to look at. Yeah. Just being allergic to vibrations still interests me to this day. Yeah, just, it's a really weird on that. Yeah, just shake you too much and you just come out in hives. <laughs> Your cells you, are like, no, nah, we we tried not to touch and we touched and uh, yeah, it's introverted cells. Yeah, like oh. we haven't suffered much from hay fever. Well, I say we, I, speaking for myself here, um, we only reached. Oh, was it 17 degrees yesterday? That was a, mm-hmm. a new high for us this year. Oh, yeah, no, I heard. I've got a, a co-worker who lives up in the north where you are. I was just saying, yeah. where, where's B? B? Dundee? Dundee. I'm, I'm close. I'm close to Dundee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, not you. My, my co-worker oh, I see. In Dundee. Um, yeah, she was like, it's been glorious. Yeah, it's been all right. Um I was thinking back to this time last year, and it was like thirty degrees. <laughs> it was like it's a slight difference, slight yeah. difference. Uh, yeah, a little, this year. little bit, a little bit, a little um, bit. But it means I don't have hay fever, so can't complain. Yeah. Happens right. <laughs> me. I'm sure it will come at some point. <laughs> it comes to all of us eventually. Yeah, I reckon here the, the trees have just evolved to be like, okay, well we get one week of good weather a year so they just hold all their pollen for that that week um so we'll all just be breathing out our asses <laughs> yeah you see it so they shake the tree and they all like shed and you're like oh no don't it's not the don't, one don't come for me yeah <laughs> <laughs> right right dive um, in yeah not messing around like normal weeks we're diving straight in Concise, straight, in. straight to the point. All right, news. Yeah, news. We're gonna we're gonna detail the news first. Um, you say we so, dive right in. It's been five minutes. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, we're getting better. Hey, yeah. We're getting better. I'm on a lot of drugs, right? So that's my excuse. Tom. what's yours? 
Oh, just slow mentally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, I was talking to someone the other day, and uh, I was actually there. Yeah, Grace earlier, and she was commenting on um. She works with someone, and they were saying about how they struggle with wanting to finish people's sentences. And I just went ADHD. Yeah. Tom, Tom, Tom has talked to me about this. I know. Yes. It's an ADHD thing. I have to hold back all the time. Yeah. Given it, uh, James Bay, you can hold back the river. Uh, <laughs> James Bay and yourself, you got to hold yourself back. Really, it's a struggle sometimes. <laughs> um, sometimes we win that fight, and sometimes the <laughs> sometimes. river takes us. Yeah. And they have to apologise for being like, oh, sorry, I was jumping in And they have to apologise for finishing their concept <laughs> three minutes before they'd figured it out. Yeah, people are so slow. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, people come up with such good ideas, but they don't finish it quick enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's why ADHDers exist. Yeah. Yeah, that's why Think we're Think differently. Think differently. <laughs> they do, they? It's the, the, the wiring is different. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and there was a study on the neuro architecture of some autistic patients as well and they found the wiring is different uh, so um, I, didn't, I didn't know that i was going to ask you if you knew that because i was like i wonder yeah. if autism is the same in the same yes. ballpark not the same but in the same ballpark um i don't know the, i like how much the wiring correlates between the the two let's say diagnoses even though they're very varied let's yeah. say umbrella mm. terms yeah um so but i'm sure there's some overlap yeah. In uh, the, the structures that appear. But yeah. Um, anyway, back, back to your news. That's my news. <laughs> detail there. Uh, so my news actually is related to poisons and some venoms. And it's scientists may have actually found an antidote for the deaf cap mushroom. Oh. So you didn't know this. Uh, the deaf cap mushrooms, they get, they get their name for one reason, one reason only. The, the poisonous fungi can kill if ingested, even if like small amounts. Uh, and it's essentially the deaf cat mushroom is responsible for the majority of deaths from mushroom poisoning worldwide. Um, like essentially symptoms may appear as soon as six hours after ingestion. They include nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. If a person isn't treated immediately, the toxins can in their liver and kidney damage and that leads to their death within 40 hours after ingestion. There's so it's no, not even a quick one. That is no, a no, it's, yeah, way to it's go. A, it's, a, it's a 48 hour job and oh there's no antidote currently available. Um, but people can be treated with fluids, activated charcoal and other therapies. It's, it's been seen. But... Um, a researching team found a dye used in medical procedures can block damage from the mushroom's alpha amanitin toxin. Uh, yeah. So that they think they can do it. The work was done with human cells grown in lab dishes and then with mice. Um, and if the findings hold up with trials, the antidote has a potential to save all the people's lives. That's awesome. But what's, what's really interesting is... Uh, how alpha amatin kills, which is the process in which the deaf cap mushroom kills, uh, it's, it's not really fully understood. So a team of researchers uh. in China and Australia used gene editor, the gene editor, CRISPR, to determine which human genes the toxins triggered to cause the cell damage and death. And one of these genes makes a protein called STT3B, which helps attach sugars to proteins. A scientists hadn't known that this process was important for the mushroom's toxicity. So in a test with mouse poisoned with alpha amatin, the dye reduced liver and kidney damage and increased the survival rates if given one to four hours after poisoning. Uh, waiting eight to 12 hours to administer the antidote reduced its effectiveness, but it could uh, survive, they could survive, but probably caused irreversible organ damage. So that's how, that's how the death occurs, is the damage to the organs, and they're trying to right. stop the damage to the, the organs, but like save everything else. So they just kind of need to get in that process and start, stop that happening. Yeah, and essentially that's what they they believe they can they've done with this dye. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So take take I'll take I'll take us very briefly back to the PGR conference thing I was at. Um, what I found really interesting was it was a mix of all the entire school of biology, and you've got three. We've got three kind of schools here. Uh, two of them, like all of the talks, were about cancer research drugs and how they've identified the next big you know uh cancer killer or mm -hmm. covid vaccine thing and trying to interrupt the the virus life cycle or they're looking at bacteria and things like that so that was like 
you know, 75, 80% of talks. And every so often someone from my school would get up and just speak about a dolphin. And it's just two very different, uh, what do you say, vibes about the talks going on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Funny. Funny, funny. Um, Yeah, that's super cool, really. Um, And I have no idea how about any of that cell stuff works. Um, But great that they found an antidote. Mm -hmm. Awesome. It must be quite a ubiquitous fungi then or is it like a group of fungi oh like the death cap you said it's the responsible for most of deaths worldwide yeah mr worldwide um so is it quite ubiquitous like is, does it occur in most places or is it like a group of fungi or death cap yeah yeah it's pretty i think you can get them everywhere okay right yeah, don't looking, touch looking, mushrooms then yeah, do you know what? That is just a general good idea. Do you know what's especially dangerous about a death cap, right? They just Does it it's look like, like a chestnut mushroom. It just yeah, it just looks like a normal fucking mushroom. So <laughs> like it's not one of these ones where <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, that looks like do you know that you get the some mushrooms that have got like black stuff oozing off it and it looks pretty like toxic. Yeah, no, yeah. it just looks like a normal mushroom. That that's that's upsetting. Yeah, there's this guy from the Wild Food in the UK Limited channel who's got a method of identifying death counts. Isn't it like you split the the top open and it like oxidizes in the air and it goes a different color? I I don't know honestly, not a clue. I feel like if you're splitting the top open and then you inhale that thing, it's a bit late. Well, this geezer in this video, he's just like handling it. No gloves. Just like, yeah. So what you do is, right, you take the, the cap off, right? Yeah. And it look yeah, right. It's got gills underneath. You're like, maybe put some gloves on. <laughs> like. <laughs> Did COVID teach you nothing? <laughs> yeah. Put, put some gloves on, please. Um, I mean, that, that hints to something we'll, we'll come back on to like later, maybe, if we have time. But uh, I think it's called aposematism. When poisonous things have coloration, right? So they look like you don't want to eat them. Yeah. Think about poison dart frogs. Very colorful. You're like, oh, I ain't going to eat that because probably poisonous. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasps, bees, you know, black and yellow, black and yellow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bloody hell. Sometimes I just can't stop myself and I wish I could. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so aposematism is like signaling that you are toxic, so don't be eaten because, I mean, the, the the thing will be poisoned. But the only reason that works is because enough of your ancestors have eaten poisonous stuff for everyone else to learn that's poisonous mm-hmm. and shouldn't be eaten. Um, so that's why they maintain their colors because less of them die. Um, or reverse Uno card, Uno reverse... Just get rid of the colour and, yeah, be a death cat mushroom. Just fuck people's days up. Just mm-hmm. ruin them. Yeah. All right. So, uh, toxins, poisons, venoms is the topic of the day. Um, toxins. I, th- I thought we could have a, a quick definition of those things. Not even um, going to go into some, some, some fun facts. facts. Oh, yeah. No, do you know what? Me in my normal ways completely forgot facts existed. So absolutely go for it. Do you, do you, not, do you not write it down? Do you not find any? Um, honestly, I've just given you the uh, aposematism one. Unintentionally. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that yeah, as my, okay. my fun fact. Yeah. So, uh, first fun fact. Did you know that the King Cobra, the world's longest venomous snake, can reach a staggering length of 18 feet, which is 5.5 meters? That's disgusting. Yep, and its potent venom is actually capable of taking down large prey. It's also known yeah. for taking down other snakes as well with it. Oh, that's weird. When you, your venom's so powerful, you can take down other venom. Right, this is a question. If a venom, <laughs> this is this is a full like side thought. If a venomous snake were to accidentally bite itself, does it have its own? anti-venom 
in its blood, or is that it? Um. So my immediate thought would be it contains the toxin within its body, so its body can probably deal with it at a higher level. But at the same time, venomous snakes have venom sacs where, you know, that's contained. So if they're, say, like a flesh-eating venom, would their own body be able to stop that? Let's ask ChatGPT. Uh, <laughs> a... oh, I've, 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 I've already Googled it. Uh, if okay. a snake were to bite itself, antibodies would would quash the venom injected into the blood. So yeah, it does have okay. anti- it does have antibodies in the blood. Uh, and we'll, oh yeah, and we'll come on to because I, I this is I thought it was quite interesting. I didn't realize how they made anti venom, and I will explain a little bit how they do. But moving on to the second fun fact: uh, some poisonous plants like the deadly nightingale, which is the Atropa belladonna have a long history of being used in medicine, cosmetics, and even cosmetic enhancer for dilating the pupils. Hence the yeah. name Belladonna, meaning beautiful woman in Italian. Yeah, I, this goes back to a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about uh, how us as humans... <laughs> Rode the line very, very, very <laughs> closely. We just love toxic shit. Yeah, vinegar. Meant, meant to be toxic. Give I us that it. shit. Coffee. <laughs> meant to be toxic. Give us that shit. Tobacco, mm-hmm. spicy shit, nightshade. <laughs> yeah, nightshade. Nightingale, sorry. Yeah. Well, uh, um, yeah. Foxglove. That's that's a, like a Devonshire one, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah. And everyone, everyone's like, "Oh, it's pretty." And I'm, I'm like, uh, having, having like year two or year four camp, primary school. We got told like, "Do not effing touch this plant. You will die." Um. And then from now on, I was like, it's like the being on fire, being taught in schools if you're on fire. And I expected there to be a lot more poisonings in my grown up yeah. life. A real uh, core memory was developed. <laughs> yeah. And them shouting at you, you will die. <laughs> yeah. And then getting us to draw it as well. To be like, oh, so that's you- good. Well, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. It worked. That's good. <laughs> my, my, my third point is actually going to be a question to you because it's actually related to uh, an aquatic being. Uh, what is the most venomous marine creature on on planet Earth, Tom? Blue-ringed octopus. What? Blue-ringed octopus? I was going to say a box jellyfish. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. The jury's out. Considered one of the most. Okay. Box jellyfish, they will mess you up. They are yeah. not a good time. They'll just cause um, you to have a cardiac arrest. Yeah, they sting like, you up. And then because like, you're like, oh, that's not a good time. You start thrashing around in their tentacles. Yeah. Also not a good time. Not the good time. crazy thing about jellyfish is the way that they inject you. They have special cells on them called nematocysts. Right. Um, and it's essentially like a hair trigger. If you brush against it, this needle gets darted out which injects venom into the next thing it touches, which, because you're in contact with it, and it's sticky. Um, and then those nematocysts, nematocysts sometimes are barbed, so you can't pull them out. Ah, that's nice. Hence why it gets quite messy. Yeah. And one of, it's called the Portuguese Man of War. Yep, Man of War. Not a, it's not a box jellyfish. No, it's a big um, one. Animals are huge. they essentially have... A sail on top of them, like a float, yeah, that pushes them around in the wind. Um, and they have nematocysts on the end of their tentacles that catch fish, like decent-sized fish, and then they can ratchet their tentacles up into their like bell, and then just slowly absorb the fish alive. Pretty nasty. Pretty hmm. nasty stuff. Fascinating creatures, though, considering yeah. they have two brain cells. Literally. <laughs> um, but yeah. Three if they're pregnant. Lol. Hey. Uh, speaking um, about the, the blue ring octopus, was my next fact. Uh, and it's to do with um, not all venomous animals inject their toxins through bites. The blue ring octopus delivers its venom through tiny beak-like mouth parts for hunting its prey. Is that not just a bite? Because they don't, that is their mouth. They have a beak, like a parrot. Yeah, but they don't bite. I don't know. That's a peck. 
Oh, it's just a tasty pack. Yeah, just a, just a spicy, spicy pack. A spicy pack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he loves you so much, I've gone numb. <laughs> uh, yeah, spicy pack. Uh, spicy pack. Yeah. One, um, one of my, um, one of the ones I find a bit more interesting, but very kind of brutal. They showed it on Planet Earth once. Is the Komodo dragon? Right. Is it the Komodo dragon that's super poisonous? I think it is. Um, and essentially, like they, for some reason, Komodo dragons and cows live on the same island. Yeah. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Um, but they just kind of walk up to the cow and then just like nick it with its tooth. And that has got enough poison in it, venom in it, sorry, to <laughs> kill the cow slowly over the next three days. And then they just kind of feast on it. And they just, they just follow it around for three days whilst it dies. So that's how I feel like at the moment, to be honest. <laughs> so like some, something's nicked around. me and now <laughs> the fly's like following me around three days oh that's grace <laughs> she hasn't been around three days so it can't be her oh yeah bless okay um cool interesting facts yeah last one, one today got oh, one more uh and that's ancient civilizations such as the assyrians or the egyptians were well versed in poisons and for various purposes including assassinations Medicines and hunting. It makes sense for that to be a thing to be good at in the ancient world. What, assassinations? Poison, like manufacturing. Um, yeah. Assassinations as well, I guess there's always a the political game going on. Yeah, yeah. Plus, you know, um, you just say like, oh, it's magic. And they're like, oh. <laughs> uh, was it, is it China or Japan that has the assassin's teacup? Maybe. Um, so okay, so it's a teacup. I'm gonna say China, because it's quite an ancient thing and tea. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, obviously, yeah. Um, no, essentially, no. there's a teacup that has two. Um, let's say China. You're right, China. Uh, sections in it, one above and one below, and they both come out of the same spout. And yeah. essentially, if you pour it with, and there's like a a hole next to where your thumb should be to create a vacuum. If you create a vacuum with your thumb, then water comes out of the, or the liquid comes out of the bottom chamber. And if you don't do it with your thumb, the liquid comes out of the top chamber. Um, and you can put poison liquid in one of those and not in the other. So it looks like you're drinking from the same teacup and it's very peaceful, but actually you've just poisoned uh, the other person and hope you haven't got it the wrong way around. Yeah. Well, you can actually you can actually make three drinks with it. Oh, because you can do A or B or A and B. Ah, <laughs> oh, right, that yeah. makes sense. Because you can take your thumb off, take your pinky off, take your thumb and your pinky off. Oh, there you go. Mm. Just in case you want to keep things real spicy. Yeah, there's a a YouTube channel called uh, made by Steve uh, Mold. And I, essentially, he makes things, but like two D out of glass. He recently did a, yes. a video about um, water solving a maze by yes, just like I've pouring water that. on top. He did one for the Assassin's Teapot, and he made uh, one okay. like two D just to show how it worked. So, if anybody's interested in seeing how it works, the Assassin's Teapot is weird by Steve Mold. There we go. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. On to toxins venoms poisons then um so i think this is something that people get confused quite a lot yeah i always like is there even a difference pulling, pulling, pulling people out on this calling them out and they're like ah yeah. oh, it was a poisonous bite i'm like no <laughs> no it's not. um so a, a toxin in general this is the umbrella term of any substance produced by a living organism but these days you can even have synth synthetic ones including plants, animals, and microorganisms that cause harm or adverse effects when they come into contact with or are ingested by other organisms, um, which, of course, can then be separated essentially um, into three different uh, subtypes. Your poisons, which are 
Mm-hmm. What? What? Mitch. What, 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 what are poisons, mate? Ah, poisons. Uh, poison. Scientific term. Whereas a substance that can cause detrimental effect or even death when introduced into living organisms. Typically affects by interfering with a vital biological process at a cellular tissue or systemic level. They are classified based on their origins, chemical compounds, mode of action, specific uh, physical, physiological uh, system effects. Uh, they can be derived from different sources, as you said. Do you want, do you want more? I've got more. I can do like at a molecular level. Oh, I mean, go for it. I mean, do they, do they differ from venoms at a molecular level? Uh, I, th- I think so, yeah. Okay, then yeah, go for it. Uh, they exert their toxic effects by disrupting essential biochemical pathways or by binding to specific receptors in cells, altering their normal functions. I mean, it sort of uh, makes sense, right? If poisons are mainly ingested, they've got to have a different entryway. <laughs> Entry pathway. Uh, what's it called? Uh, threat vector. I think it's what it's called. Um, they, some poisons inhibit critical enzymes necessary for cellular metabolism, impairing energy production or interfering with the synthesis, synthesis of vital molecules. Yeah. Nice. It can cause um, paralysis, convulsions, respiratory failure. Uh, other poisons may bind the blood to components, preventing proper oxygen transport, clotting, leading to organ damage or hemorrhages. And all, all of the above, if you're unlucky enough. Yeah, if you def cap yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I think, you know what, they're prevalent in the UK. It, it could happen. Uh, yeah. But mainly, so the poison is, is, if you're thinking about poison generally, poison is like biting or eating something. Yes. Uh, poison, you have done the biting. Yeah, because cause we, I, I, we had a discussion about this a while ago. The guy in... Shafts is it Shaftesbury? Saint Salisbury? Salisbury, who got uh yeah. poisoned with the radioactive. Was he was it po- would you call it poison or would you say because he didn't ingest it, or did he? I can't remember if that was a thing. Or if he just had it on I his can't skin. Remember. If it, go, if it I mean, goes through the skin, does that mean that it's poisoned or was it venom? <laughs> Which Well it's not. That comes on to the third type. Okay. So, so we've got poisons, we've got venoms, and uh, we'll, we'll, we can come back to venoms in a second. Yeah. But there is a third type. Okay. Toxingens. T O X U N G E N S. These are toxins that are actively transferred to the target surface by spitting, <laughs> spraying, or smearing. Love a good toxin smear. Love a good toxin smear. So you can think about your spitting cobras here, which just like spit toxins in your eye. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Or if you... So normally I think the active verb of putting a toxin into another human yeah. is poisoning them. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the same for like... If you say that person is poisoned, it doesn't matter if, it exactly. was, if, it was, if, they, if they ate it or they were... If venom was injected into them, you would just say they're poisoned. It, Exactly. You infer that another person's done it. If they've done it, it's this poisoned. Yeah. Um, but I guess technically that could, so the whole ricin thing could come under toxin if you just like smeared it on their hand and then it got in through their skin pathway or they rubbed it in their eye or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you got venoms, venom. uh, which I would like you to take away. Take away. Venom, you venom, such a good venom. Job it's a great movie. Poison. Great movie. It is. Soundtrack is as well by uh, Slim Shady, Mr. Eminem himself. Because Eminem <laughs> rhymes with Venom, so he, he thumbed that in loads. Uh, <laughs> but well, if you, what if you got your shot? If you, you go know? and look at the lyrics, he doesn't actually just say Venom like 10 times. He does say different words. Oh, does he? Yeah. And Venom. Uh, you got to get him. Oh, okay. Like there's loads of di- it's, it's 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 not just like he's not saying just. Was well, that song purely from that soundtrack? Yeah, it's a soundtrack for oh, Venom. I thought it was around before that. Nah. nah. <laughs> oh, fair, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a good movie. I haven't seen the second one yet with Carnage. Is Carnage in it? I've seen the second one. Yeah, Carnage is in it. Um, yeah, Carnage I don't think it was good. as good as the first one. But yeah, it was still good. I was hoping they would do more of Carnage from what I've seen, but they didn't. 
They haven't, they haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, no. But I know the outcomes. And I've, see, <laughs> I've seen him in it. Uh, and he's not as brutal as he is in the comics, but, you know, that's... No. Yeah. No. Not yet. We'll see. We'll see. Carnage could always make a comeback. That's, that's yeah. the problem with Carnage. Don't call it a comeback. Uh, so Venom, having said Venom three times, many times, uh, is a specialised secretion produced by certain organisms, typical animals, that are used as a defensive or offensive weapon. It is comprised of a complex mixture of bioactive molecules, including enzymes, uh, peptides, proteins, and small molecules, which are synthesized and stored in specialized glands. Glands. Uh, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Venomous organisms employ venom as a means of immobilization or incapacitating their prey, defending against predators or competing with rivals for resources, which is essentially just sums up like survival of the fittest, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing that fascinates me about venom and poison is it's like pure evolution on the gnarliest scale yeah like there's nothing about it that isn't gruesome and utterly horrible if you were to be come into contact with it or for the things that do but at the same time it's super interesting um we had a professor at swansea so me and my friend we did a phylogenetics and taxonomy course no macroevolution and we were like, oh, we'll do it. It can't be that bad, can it? Um, just do a bit of taxonomy. Um, and we kind of had to fill that slot with a module. Uh, turns out, one of the best modules we took, because our professor, um, who we've actually spoken to, one of our earlier ones, um, was just super into venom and anything poisonous. And it was just super interesting to watch these kind of like evolutionary arms races through time and how one thing would develop poison, another thing would develop resistance, so how the poison would change. Oh, it's just really cool. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's like nature's guns, essentially. Literally. It's yeah. a biochemical Pow. warfare. A bit more insidious, though. Uh, a, yeah. <laughs> a lot more insidious, because it's just going, arming every single <laughs> individual in that population. Yeah. Um, so I've got a few different types of let's say biotoxins, poisons and venoms, um, as well as the toxingens. Um, so necrotoxins, these ones, pretty awful. Oh, they, 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 calls, they destroy the tissue, isn't that? Yeah, yeah. necrosis. So this uh, necrotoxins are spread through the bloodstream. Uh, a human's skin and missile, miss you? muscle tissues are <laughs> yeah. most sensitive to necrotoxins. Um, organisms that possess necrotoxins include brown recluse spider, mm -hmm. most rattlesnakes and vipers, uh, the puff adder, and necrotizing fasciitis, which is actually uh, a bacteria, Streptococcus pygenes. Um, and yeah, so essentially when these toxins come into forms with cells, they cause the cells to just shut down and die so i would not advise going to look at pictures of this because it's horrific if your inner demons win on this one just be warned graphic warning content ahead your way um but you'll just see like how it just essentially eats away at people's yep. and things like muscle and skin tissue yep. uh yeah awful um the next is neurotoxins so these are ones that mainly affect the nervous systems of animals. They generally consist of iron channel toxins that dis uh, disrupt the iron channel conductance. So what that means is, like we've spoken about uh, even a few episodes, I think we must have spoken about this on the trot a few times on and off, how your brain sends signals across the synapse. Mm -hmm. So it releases uh, chemicals that reach the other synapse and then... Uh, once they get reach a threshold, they send the signal on. And that works through your, health, your whole nervous system throughout your entire body. And neurotoxins target that process to stop signals being passed on. If you can't pass a signal on, you can't tell your legs to move paralysis. Um, yes. And then obviously you just stop being able to breathe because even though we're automatic breathers, it's controlled by the brain. So it still needs the signal to do it. It's weird um, to think that's how it works. It, yeah, it's, 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 scary, it's scary to think how it works, but it's scary to think like that's how just like how 
we have to realize that's how we move our arms and stuff. It's just like, and how quick that happens, right? Mm, yeah. Have you seen the the video of the? They've got like a a bowl of blood, haven't they? Like it's animals, but they haven't just like gone out and got a bowl <laughs> of blood. But these re- these research is showing like how venom, how quick it is, and they pour like a tiny capsule of venom into the bowl of blood and like start s- swilling it round, and it coagulates into a solid mass in about oh, yeah, three it's seconds. Nasty. It's just like it is nasty. Can that get into your body? That's just like all right, cool, GG. It was yeah, on to reboot, on to the next one. Yeah, <laughs> see, like, see you in the next happens, game. And that's why it's so important to, if you are to be bitten by something, and we'll come on to this, but yeah, <laughs> try and identify do. what it is. Get help as quick as possible. Um, don't bite it back. Um, so neurotoxins, black widow spider, most scorpions, the box jellyfish. Uh, cone snails, blue-winged octopus, um, even yeah, types snails. of coral have some neurotoxins snails. in there. Yeah, snails. Be careful. Yeah, the cone snail. Um, nasty bastards, really. Uh, you got myotoxins, which are small basic peptides found in snake and lizard venoms. They cause muscle tissue damage by a non-enzymatic receptor-based mechanism. Uh, so these would be like rattlesnakes and Mexican beaded lizards. And then you've also got cytotoxins, um, which are toxic at the individual cell level, rather than you know the causing a specific organ to shut down. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so they either do this in a non-specific fashion or only in certain types of cells, so skin cells, uh, body cells. Um, so something that uh, aligns with this is ricin, as we were speaking about earlier. So that's from castor beans. You've you've also got apitoxin that comes from honeybees so if you were to get stung by them yeah enough. t2 mycotoxin uh from certain mushrooms cardiotoxins um and hematoxins as well so that's from the viper is the hematoxin mm-hmm. and as you can imagine scorpions. hemotoxin hemo targets blood. blood yeah cardiotoxin from the chinese cobra uh cardio, cardio. is yeah. heart so the scorpions that if they've got really small pincers out the front of them you want to stay the hell away from them because that means yeah. that they, they don't use their front claws to attack it means they've got their big old venom sacks that will kill you but if they've got really big pincers up front then they're less likely i'm not saying they don't but they're less likely to get you with the venom i mean they might start so i think that would be more akin to like a bee sting right oh yeah it's not gonna um, suck oh yeah no it's not gonna be a good time <laughs> And they are lightning quick with that thing. Yeah. It's scary. Like Like, Sarkat. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I, like we speak about in the the episode about fear, I'm not scared of spiders and Yeah, it's not an irrational phobia. It's like... Oh my lord, am I aware of them. (laughs) It's not Not an irrational fear. I think it's very like... Rational. If I'm in a pre- like if I'm in a country that there could be scorpions, like I'm gonna be mindful that they're around. Yeah, I'm checking my shoes. Yeah, uh, when I was in Africa, UV light. Check, check your shoes. Get that, get that UV light on the go because they shine. Yeah, see, that's really interesting to me. Why? Um, I you know is it because like where does you okay? Obviously, we have UV light naturally uh, from the sun. But the actual light overpowers it, so you don't see it. Are there? Do they see in UV so that it's easier, really easy to spot each other? Do you know what I mean? Like, why evolve that? It obviously, unless that's one of those, it's co-evolved, but that isn't the actual thing that's beneficial. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just a byproduct of the beneficial thing. Scorpions use the exoskeletons to detect UV light so they know when it's nighttime and time to eat. Okay. So they use it as a giant eye. And that makes them glow in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't forget to put your scorpion in the sun so it glows up at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. A certain molecule in one layer of the cuticle, the tough but somewhat flexible part of a scorpion's exoskeleton, absorb the longer wavelengths of ultraviolet light and emit it in a different wavelength that's visible at night as a blue-green glow. 
Several theories have advanced about the usefulness of this fluorescence, perhaps to find prey or in courtship. It's always about boning down on animals. Always. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, everything is sexual selection. It is. Everything. Everything. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I was looking the other day, I was looking, when I was doing the research for this episode, all the different rhymes for, like, coming across different snakes, like, red on yellow, kill a fellow, red on black, venom lack, like all the different rhymes that adults have come up with for kids to be like, right, if you see a snake and it's got a red and yellow band next to each other, it's going to murder you. Yeah. If it's got red and black, it's not going to murder you immediately, but still don't go near it. <laughs> yeah, still not a good time. It's <laughs> still not a good time, no. But what do you do uh, if you get poisoned, Tom? Um, have a bit of a mental breakdown. Yeah, essentially, try not to try not to have a mental breakdown. But there's like six things, six things you want to do. Not in this particular order, but there's six things you want to do. Um, <laughs> there's various strategies aimed at mitigating the harmful effect and promoting the recovery of affected individuals. The specific treatment approach depends on the factors such as the type of venom or poison involved, the route of exposure, and the severity of symptoms and the individual patient's characteristics. There are some general principles and interventions used in the treatment of venom and, po and poison exposure. Number one, removal of the source. <laughs> so does that mean getting rid of the thing that bit you or like chopping off your yeah. finger? Yeah, that means like if you got bit by a snake, get rid of the snake. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good time. Yeah. So that, I, I think, think that should be step one. Yeah. I, think, I know this you've said not order not dependent but yeah that's a good place to start but if it's something like uh, a bee sting or a bee bite and there's a stinger in that also includes removing carefully like the stinger cleaning the wound then immobilizing the affected limb to minimize avoidance uh venom spread it would, it would put your turn of okay on work in this so this, look i was about to say is this one of those movie tropes or does this actually work like, like if i get bitten on the hand by a zombie and i cut off my arm is it the same theory for snakes? Oh, 100%. I mean, so you've got to factor in travel time uh, and how quickly it starts to act. Yeah. Uh, you've got to think your blood is pumping quite a lot. Like, if is I... chopping off your arm instantaneously going to work? Probably. Yeah. If you've waited five seconds, ten seconds, uh, you might as well just try and slow it down at that point, maybe. I, I don't know how quickly it travels around the body. Yeah. Okay, uh, but well, so I think a, t I, a tourniquet would work. So removal At of the source help. also includes limbs as well. Like your own limbs? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because once the venom's in, that's the source, mate. That's the source. Well, that's of true, the, yeah. Source so that's of the, true. the spicy sauce. <laughs> the spicy sauce spicy is in, the, in your body. Yeah. yeah. You've got that hot sauce in your veins. You don't want it spreading. Okay, the next is supportive care. So that uh, measure aims to maintain vital function and alleviate symptoms. This may include proper oxygenation, assisting with breathing if necessary, maintaining hydration, and managing pain and discomfort. Have you seen the uh, the video of the tribe in? I'm gonna say it's it's it, on the African continent somewhere, but they have the the ants that they make a glove out of. Oh, and the geezer who like that likes to do the pain tests, and it's like the most painful venom in the world that is it doesn't actually like instantly kill you and they make a glove out of these ants and he's like yeah and no, i'm gonna do it does it and then like has the worst 10 hours of his life because it just it's just painful it's not it, it can kill you but it's it's not like gonna it's just the worst pain ever yeah so like he's an actual nut job yeah and i don't even know if he can claim oh yeah for science <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's called the bullet ant if anyone wants to go look it up yeah the bullet ant like so if anyone hasn't heard of this he has a youtube channel um maybe he was on tv at some point but essentially he travels around the world finding things that bite sting or you know somewhere along that lines um and then lets them do that to him and then he rates it on the pain scale. Do you know what? I also didn't know, I didn't realise. Do you remember um, Steve Backshall? 
Yeah. The guy that did like the, the 10 top five most deadly, the most, 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 most venomous, most anything. He yeah. also did this. Yeah, no, I think I remember that. Yeah. I think that's who I'm thinking of because oh. I, don't, I haven't seen that guy do it. No, no, there's, there's another guy. He also does it. But yeah, no. That, uh, that's um, uh, Hamish and Andy TV. Yes. That, that, that Those are the ones that were like, yeah, we're going to go do this. And he has the worst experience of his life. Yeah, it's um, crazy. But there's a um, there's a dance they the tribe does to try and alleviate that. This is what I'm, this is what I'm bringing you back to the um, supportive care. Uh, so managing the pain and the discomfort. This tribe have a dance that they do where they all get into our arms together and then they dance to uh, alleviate the pain of the bullet ants. Does it work? Uh, no, I think this guy he ends up in hospital. Or is it just a distraction mechanism? It's just a distraction mechanism. Yeah. Yeah, he he, he ends up in hospital pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, next is decontamination. So that is in the case of poisons, ingestion, or skin exposure, decontamination techniques may be employed. That's like nuclear as well, because that's how the, they got destroyed. Uh, destroyed, poisoned in Salisbury. So that's decontamination of the area using water to rinse it if it's you know on the clothing that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the next is anti venom administration. So for venomous bites and stings, specific anti-venom may be administered to neutralize the effect of venom if you're quick enough. Uh, anti-venom is produced by immunizing animals with the venom components uh, and then bloodletting them. We'll get into that in a little bit because I went into how anti-venom works because I thought it was really interesting. Um, but essentially you administer it to, uh, to prevent or minimize uh, systemic effects of the venom. Next is um, symptomatic, symptomatic treatment. So that is like if you're... Uh, pain reliefs, anti-inflammatories, if it's affecting your organs, antihistamines, anti-convulsants, uh, which, yeah, just essentially all the things the venom is going to affect or interact with your organs or cause in your body, you take the drugs to counter it before it happens to try and minimize the damage to those organs. Yeah, that'll help. And the next is monitoring and observation. So, you know, just, you sit in the ICU and they, they make sure you don't die. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, a, that's a helpful part at that point. <laughs> if you've managed to get it that care. far, like, I think you're home, you and, home and Yeah, like, you're not, you're not home and dry, but you've got to a good point. Yeah. Well, yeah. Have you ever been envenomed? Envenomed? Have I ever been bitten by anything? Yeah, um, like uh, I, mean, I assume this would have come up at some point. By, yeah, we've talked about this before. I, I got stung by a bee on the inside of my mouth. Oh, that's nasty! Why are you eating bees? Uh I wasn't. I was. It was a sunny day in Mitchell's childhood. His mother and him decided to go on a leisurely bike ride through the Devonshire countryside. Going down one hill, I was breathing, having my mouth open, just having a whirl of a time. You know, giving a a good. You who a wallop in the air, uh, and <laughs> in one of my intakes of breath, a bee flew into my mouth uh, and stung the inside of the bottom of my lip. Uh, and my mother freaked out because I'd never been stung before, so she didn't know if I was gonna, you know, turn into a balloon and have an anaphylactic shock. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, no, I've never been like bitten by a snake or anything like that. Well, that's good. Um, I didn't think I had either, but a story has just sprung to my mind. Ah. Oh. Um, so I've been stung by bees a few times. Uh, oh, jellyfish, yeah. Yeah, did, you, did someone um, pee on your leg? Um, no. Oh. It, no. Is that no, a, a fallacy? Is that a fallacy? A fallacy. Bad yeah, science. it doesn't actually do anything. I should have talked about that last week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, if you need an excuse... <laughs> fine but uh maybe sort that out in more private place um so tanzania i went to tanzania when i was 16 for four weeks um yeah. it was kind of the thing with school you raise money yeah, yeah. and then uh, you go uh ha have, a, have a good time now i was wearing a watch i don't i don't wear watches anymore and it was rare for me to wear a watch even back then but and I just remember feeling something on my wrist and I kind of ignored it because I was like, oh, it's probably just the watch and I'm just not used to it yet. 
Um, and then I was like, oh, but actually that hurts. And I looked down and there's, I don't know what it was. A beetle? Uh, I don't know. And I was like, oh, that's painful. Freaked out immediately, as you do. Uh, not long in a new country. Beetles biting your, biting your wrist. Mm-hmm. And then didn't tell anyone, obviously. Why Why would I tell someone? Yeah. What a stupid thing. And then over the next two, three days, this giant well of pus <laughs> just starts to form on my wrist. Um, I was like, that's nasty. Popped that and it went away. Still to this day, no idea what that was. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, nice. And I'm only just realizing now how stupid that was. Like, yeah, I don't think I ever told anyone during that trip that mm-hmm. that happened. So, cool. Still here to live the tale. Yeah, glad you didn't die. Glad you didn't die. Yeah, uh, I love it when you find little stories like that, and you're like, oh, oh, yeah, recounting what you did in your how my life. days, and like, <laughs> oh, I survived. Especially yeah. in Devon as well. There's not much else going on. There's a lot of stories that I think back and be like. Yeah, and no, I'm I'm glad we got out of childhood. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like when some people take you down a uh, longboarding on a on a great hill, let's say, and uh, <laughs> you're definitely not ready for that uh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> the, the funniest, yeah. That was a hey, funny story out of that for the 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 pharmacist that was so so like I don't know the right word for it, but it just just a bitch. <laughs> She was so annoyed that you were bleeding on her floor. Didn't care that you were bleeding. But it was just like, oh lord. Okay, so for, for context for people who haven't heard this story uh, yet, um, Tom fell off. All right, I fell off uh, longboarding. Yeah, um, it wasn't well, it wasn't going that bad, but it was just a bit of um, what do you call it? Road Gravel rash. Road, rash. road rash. That's yeah, it. Road rash. Um, so pretty nasty stones in my leg, um, and this was way before COVID. Um, if someone was bleeding on a pharmacy floor now, I maybe maybe I'd get it a bit more, you know. So I went in. I was like, um, "I'm bleeding. Can I get bandages, alcohol wipes, cream, antiseptic cream?" You know, I was looking to patch myself up. And instead of going, "Oh yeah, here are those things. Do you mind wiping up after yourself?" She was just like, "Can you stop bleeding on my floor?" <laughs> yeah. I was like, "I'm trying." Yeah. Oh, what's, what's interesting is I went down the same hill the later week and this old lady followed me on her bike and she had a speedometer and she was like oh you were going 33 miles an hour and I was like yep felt like it absolutely bricking myself uh, <laughs> no I was there with you on that time as well that was before I fell off oh was it I same day yeah same day that different hill though different that, luckily that was if I yeah. if we'd fallen off that one what lawn the lawn yeah yeah uh if we'd fallen off that one uh definitely uh, that was just death in an instant. Yeah, that was that was that was the hospitalized. That was anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, how do antivenoms work, Tom? Um, I'm going to take an educated guess because I didn't look at how they work. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my educated guess would be, you somehow break the venom cycle. So whether that cycle is the venom goes into a cell and disrupts like gets replicated and disrupts the RNA production, then you disrupt it before it disrupts the RNA production or you even stop it being able to get into cells. Beyond that, not a clue. Uh, so... Like with the blood one, with it coagulating blood, I have no idea how you'd stop that. So you don't... Because you're not... You don't want, you want to get it before it gets to the blood. So when administered to a person who has been envenomed, which is... Isn't it... Doesn't it just straight into the bloodstream? Yeah, yeah, but what? Venom. So what you want to do is, is it doesn't? You can't. You can't reverse the blood being clotted. That's no. that's not it. And you can't stop it not being clotted because that is too much of a big ask. Essentially, what it does is it bind. It recognizes the venom's components, like, uh, and it binds to them. Uh, okay, so the antivenom recognizes the venom components as antigens, binds to them, forming an immune complex. So this binding process effectively inactivates the venom's toxins, preventing them from further interacting with their targets in the body. Ah, so it's like 
bubble wrapping them. Yeah. So that their, their shape has changed. So they can't yeah. fit into the lock and key mechanism anymore. Indeed. So antivenom provides passive immunity, meaning it provides immediate protection from introducing preformed antibodies rather than relying on the patient's immune system to produce them. By neutralizing venom toxins, antivenom helps to produce or halt the progression of venom-induced damage, alleviating symptoms and improving the potentials of patients' overall conditions. So that's why the earlier you get treated, the higher your chance of survival. It's not going to undo yeah. anything. No, it's just going to it prevent the, further the damage. Yeah. Okay. Do you know how they make it, though, anti-venom? Uh, no, no, I don't. They... Um, my, my theory would be either take it from the animal itself, manufacture it, or just like maybe look at a prey species. So, yeah. They develop resistance. The production... Oh, no, they don't have prey species. The production of anti-venom begins by immunizing animals... Uh, typically horses, sheep, or goats, with small, gradual increasing uh, doses of the venom, then these animals uh, recognize the venom components as foreign substances, and they... It's like giving, uh, getting uh, immunized yourself from, like, flu. Okay. You essentially, you give the animal uh, enough of the venom so they, they, their immune system produces antibodies against them. Then over time, their immune system generates a pool of antibodies that can bind specifically to the venom toxins. The, these animals are then bled, and the blood is processed to extract the serum containing the antibodies. This serum is then purified to separate the desired antibodies from other components, the blood. The resulting antivenom product is then a concentrated mixture of antibodies that will specifically target those venom toxins. Oh. That's, that's how you do it. That's wild. So if you're watching a movie and they're like, have you got the snake? Because we can make a, an anti, anti-venom from its venom. You're like, well, how, do you have a cow on standby as well? Because you're going to need... <laughs> <laughs> Just a horse rocks up. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready, yeah. Um, but, that it, so there are times in pop culture where they're like, if we switch blood from a healthy person and put it into the person that is poisoned. Yeah. Could that work? And there's potential. Yeah, it could. Because if that put the person that they're transferring it to had those um, antibodies in their blood because they've already been poisoned and then recovered, that could potentially stave off those, the the damage. It It wouldn't like... Give speed of the process. I suppose it could, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't it well, wouldn't. I guess it would thin out, like because the the blood in yes, your body, you yeah. know, is it isn't, you know, let, let's. Uh, it's not, but for argument's sake, <laughs> say it's a stable volume, right? Yes. Uh, if you're putting blood in, it would it would thin it out. So I I'd, I'd say it would lengthen the time of action. Yeah. Um, but that could be wrong. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, well, that's, that's super interesting, actually. I'd never really thought about how uh, oh, yeah. how they get it. I presumed they, they did it with bacteria like they do with some antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess they, they can't actually produce that. That's only for reproducing chemicals you already know. So maybe they do that once they have the antigens. But I guess can bacteria produce antigens is the question of the day. Maybe not. And that's why they use horses. Yeah. Do you know this scary thing? Uh, we're running out of anti-venom. Are we? Yeah, around the world. And this was back in 2016. I remember reading this, uh, that it was estimated that globally that there were over 400,000 snake bites and at least 20,000 resulting deaths each year. Many go unreported. Um, but as of right now, we've run out of some types of anti-venom and not just like in the US, but globally. Yeah. And is that because it's being used up faster than it can be produced? Or because... No, it's Big Pharma, mate. It's not profitable. Oh. So the big deal about antivenoms and shortages around the world right now is that drug companies that make that kind of pharmaceutical product only make it if it's profitable. And the problem with antivenom is it tends to be fairly expensive to produce and not profitable. Yay, capitalism! Yay, capitalism! What a fun time. What a, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Just a, it's just a, a poison on society, isn't it? Capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> I used to work with someone that was like pro-capitalism, and I always thought it was a very interesting debate that she had. 
Okay. Because she was like, eh, it produces like competition. And I'm like, okay, but you have to have regulated capitalism. Otherwise you get like America. <laughs> <laughs> or you get things like the renting market or the housing market in the UK. Yeah, or the energy. Sure. It has to be regulated. The energy market in the UK. Like you need regulations or it's just like you can't have a free market. It's just, I'm going to say it's a stupid idea because it works at some levels, but it, it just doesn't work. No, I mean, competition is good. Like, we know that. Uh, we see that on every level. Like, yes. Especially when, uh, when companies are allowed to compete, innovation, lower prices. But that is, that's uh, even true. But, like, there's companies needs that to be do regulated it within themselves as well. We talked about um, yeah. a while ago Tesla with the with Starlink, not Starlink, SpaceX. They yeah. essentially split one of their teams in two put them across the different sides of the country and then them had them like juke it out in a space race between the two like sections of SpaceX. Um, and then they would come, yeah, but they so, would come so together. It works. So it works. And you don't have to have it separate companies, but it's just, you know, monopolies are formed and, you know, it's bad things happen. Yeah. Faux show. Like Microsoft right. and releasing games that are broken. Looking at you, Redfall. And just anything EA touches. Initially, yeah. Even though uh, Battlefield yeah. 2042 is making a comeback. But... Yeah, but that's the problem. They have to make a comeback. Yeah, after <laughs> they try and like they try and rock the boat, and they're like, people are like, no, you didn't have to rock the boat. Just make the same game as you did last year with this year's physics, with updated like graphics and guns and stuff, and we'll be happy. And they're like, no, we're going to make it so it's a hero shooter where you get people with like jetpacks and stuff, and then everyone hates it. You know, like, um, so this will make this will make sense in a second. You know the ship of Theseus problem. Yeah, yeah. Is it the same? Where if you replace <laughs> the same game, each plank one by one, is it the same ship? Yeah. Um, I feel like that's what Battlefield and Call of Duty did each year with their games. That's exactly the same game that come out. Yeah. And then now they're like, well, why don't we just give you a new ship that's made of no none of the old parts? And people are like, we want the ship of Theseus. Yeah. <laughs> Give us the ship. Give it. Give it. Give us the ship back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you know? Do you, uh, do you see that um, Call of Duty Activision? They, they put a cease and desist on. Is it SM nine? SM six? What's that? It was the fan made uh, Black Ops Call of Duty uh, Black Ops Black Ops two hybrid game they were they were oh. making. They said it was like a no. fan made Call of Duty that just used the assets from like Black Ops one, Black Ops two. Uh, and it got so popular, they got sent a cease and desist, and everybody in the industry is actually like railing against Activision at the moment because they're like, "You're not going to make any money off this game. It is ten years old. What are you? What are you hoping to do? Uh, you're just showing that by putting a cease and desist against it, you're acknowledging it that it's better than what you've currently got, and that's the reason why you're so angry. <laughs> it's that yeah. these fans have made a game better than your current one, and you're angry about it. Yeah, is that the one you can play online, right, for free? Is it? Uh, yeah. SM squared. SM squared. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I've just found the tweet. They are yeah shutting down all operations permanently. Cease and desist. Damn, that's nasty. Capitalism. Yeah, and then even uh, they've just been allowed to buy something, haven't they, Activision? Oh no! Uh, Microsoft has bought Activision. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Sixty-two million. There was a whole debate about should they be allowed to do it, um, but the European Court like was like, "Oh no, you can't do that." But then they've cleared it, and so they can do it. Yeah, you know, go go ahead. So, Call of Duty. So I guess, I guess that's an attempt at regulated capitalism, right? That's an attempt. Yeah. the The issue. Okay, so the issue surrounding that wasn't actually the games themselves. It was to do with the cloud platform. And how Microsoft owns like the virtual machines and the virtual servers that these are based on. That's where the anti-competitiveness came into effect. They were, oh, they were worries. It wasn't actually the game. Like the people, like the governments, they don't care about Call of Duty. <laughs> Anybody listening think it was about Call of Duty? No, of activism? course. I just thought it was more of like a, uh, more another big franchises, multiple franchises are going to be under Microsoft, which already has multiple franchises. Yeah. That's what I presumed the worry would be. Yeah. That's the worry for uh, for us and for people that like games, but the the governments and the people that are actually looking at it, we're looking at like the the technology that backs it, 
was the more more of the issue essentially oh, i see um so yeah but you know if if microsoft turn around and just say you're not playstation you're not getting the call of duty for the next year i would howl in laughter because the amount of years playstation have been like so up themselves we're like oh we get priority on like maps and stuff and trying to shove it in microsoft's faces and Xbox faces I would, i'd be smug I would be, even though i'm a pc gamer now I haven't touched an Xbox game in about 10 years. I'd be smug. No. Well, back in the day, Xbox used to have priority. Uh, yeah, it did. And then, and then it switched. And then it switched. Bloody hell. Same with Destiny. You know, oh, Destiny really? 2. Yeah, Destiny 2's got um, priority on Xbox as well. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Right. Um, we're over the hour. Yeah, I didn't get to uh, environmental and learn reasons and evolution reasons for having no we didn't um well we could always come back to this so we, we can debate that over the next week and we'll leave you guys guessing what you're going to come back to <laughs> <laughs> so i think that'll bring us to a wrap don't forget to share this with your friends families co-workers um snakes scorpions any pets you may have that might find this interesting yeah if you want to know more information fun science follow us at twitter and tiktok at info entropy pod instagram information entropy pod and of course whichever podcast you're listening to this on no this we are the podcast whichever directory you're listening to this on <laughs> uh, if you found us on another podcast here, please let there. us know because that would be scary yeah well yeah let us know uh and any ratings if that's an option follow like comment rating let us know how we're doing uh, so that we can do better in the future. Anything else to add then, mate? As you mentioned snake then, my mind's meant to Rick and Morty with the snake jazz. My fastest of snake jazz. Just look it up. Cool. We'll leave you with snake jazz. See you next week. Peace. Ciao for now. <laughs>